0: I had an opportunity to speak with Anna Delvey from prison. We set up a podcast episode. And we spoke about her art. And we spoke about her life. She's in a show called Free Anna Delvey. It's a group show that also includes my work. And it was curated by Alfredo Martinez and Julia Morrison. And it opens March 17th, 2022, 7 p.m. at 176 Delancey. So if you're in New York City, go to the exhibition. The following is a conversation between myself and Anna Delphi here on the White Hot Magazine Art World podcast. I'm your host, Noah Becker.
1: This is a call from Hannah, an inmate at the Orange County Jail. This call is from a correction facility and is subject to monitoring.
2: Hey. Hi. Hi. How's it going?
1: I'm good. How are you?
2: Oh, good. Have you always made art?
1: Well, I wasn't started an artist but I took some fashion illustration courses at practice in Paris. So I guess that's how I got into drawing. And when I was in prison, so the deal was that I was waiting to go to parole, so I was not giving any interviews because everything um will be used against me during that hearing. So kind of the only way to communicate Uh, with the outside world for me was to like draw because they cannot quote sketches. So, um, I feel like constraints were very helpful in that way and kind of like adversity and struggle did create like something nice in the end. Mm
0: -hmm. So that was just
1: basically my way of um, commenting on what was happening with me without giving interviews.
0: I'm oh, mm. not
1: writing anything mm-hmm. because I just put not for legal
2: purposes mm-hmm. so can you explain one of the drawings like what it, what it was talking about in terms of your feelings
1: Um, you want to like address one specifically yeah just any one obviously
2: we're not looking at a picture of the drawing but yeah just maybe say like what kind of feelings were you addressing in the art
1: well, for example, um, the when I the picture where I'm reading normal people and looking for kids, it was kind of like explaining what I'm subjected to and I was trying to like make light of the conditions that I was in prison. It kind of like to highlight the ridiculousness of it. It's just like it is kind of like in the end, in prison you just like do whatever you want and they just hold you away from the society so that was the point of the drawing right pretty much right like I, I look it was basically calling out prison as pointless without me saying it right you know because i feel like this is not something that the general public has in mind when they hear about somebody being in prison
2: you, you mean art
1: Um, just the whole conditions or the whole thing that's going on in there. And um, I never like wanted to say that prisons should be abolished, but I just wanted to say that prisons are not really like effective in its current form mm-hmm. and that it should be changed and like, the rules can and should be changed. And there is no reason why it should remain the same way it was like, 30, 40 years ago.
2: Right. Am am I right that you have uh you're due, you're being filmed in prison, is that right?
1: Uh, well right now I um have a tablet and I can do video calls. So yeah, I did um a lot of that. Right. But not that in Albion. Because now I'm just in Ice custody. I'm in jail. So, at jail and prison, I see different things. Jail is like pretrial detention, where they just told you to produce you to your
2: next court date. Because there's a reasonable doubt that you won't show up on your own, while prison is supposed to correct you. I see. And um, as far as the... I mean, you're known for a lot of things, obviously, now with the Netflix show on, and, and people who are wanting to know things about you probably aiming a lot of questions at the persona that's created around you. Do you feel like the persona in the TV program is you, or do you think it's sort of, like, different than you?
1: Well, it's hard for me to answer that because I have not seen it. I only saw, like, a um, couple of pieces. I think I saw um, all in all or less than one episode. So it's hard for me to... Um, give an honest answer
2: to that because
1: I don't know how it was portrayed. Right. I don't know. And it's like, it's a dramatized version of me. It's um, not a documentary. So I guess people should just draw their own conclusions. It's, um, I guess, it's very easy to like, try to correct the wrong narrative, but that's not the point of it. Right. It's fiction. and It's a dramatized version of events and it's, it's not for me. To correct, it's like somebody else's artwork inspired by my story. Right. And it's not up to me. It doesn't matter what I think about it. It's just somebody else's
2: work. Right. Right.
1: It was never the point point of it. It's just like how I was perceived by those specific persons. Right. Like how Shonda perceived my story. Right. And it's like, I'm not going to, it just really, it's like, it doesn't matter what I think of it, and it shouldn't
2: Right. So, do you, do you feel like, um, your, your life is going to go in a certain direction or do you want your life to go in a certain direction or are you just kind of going day by day?
1: I'm definitely just trying to get out of jail. Um, I have a strong idea of where I want my life to go, but I guess this remains to be seen if I get a chance to um, do what I have in mind. Mm-hmm. So I guess it remains to be seen.
2: Is there anything about that that you want to share, or is that is it a secret at this point?
1: Well. Uh, it's kind of a secret, at this point, but um, I'm also working on a book and my own podcast. And um, I was working on a bunch of art and on uh, a clothing line, so those are kind of smaller projects that I have going on.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I was able to do a lot from jail, actually, so I was staying very productive,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I'm not wasting any time.
2: Right. It seems like half the people think of you as a hero and then the other half think of you as a criminal. Do you prefer, do you, do you really care what people think of you at this point? Um, I don't know.
1: I'm trying to, like, control the narrative. I don't feel like whoever thinks... Like, I've done
0: something bad. Maybe they should just go ahead and do better. I don't know. I'm just doing the best I can. That's pretty... I
2: haven't heard it put that way. (laughs) Well, like, for example, I had brought this up with you. (laughs) I got a kick out of you the other day because I had brought up the idea that There are some people at universities that are almost kind of trying to call you a feminist hero. And um, what do you think about that sort of thing?
1: Well, it's definitely for others to decide. It's not up to me to call myself a feminist hero, so I'm not even. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to dispute that. (laughs) Right. If that's if it's being bestowed on me, I'm not, right. <laughs> I mean,
2: worst thing ever said about me. So. Right. So <laughs> Sex sex and the City, did you ever watch that? Of
1: course I did, yes.
2: Yeah. And what did you think, did you watch that show and think there was something wrong with it, or did you just absolutely love that show?
1: documentary it's it's
2: entertainment.
1: Right. Because people are inspired by it. Right. Um I've never regarded it as like a guide to life. Right. Because I think it's pretty unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was very timely for the nineties, when the show came out. Right. I guess the times changed as they
2: should. I think that your story is kind of like Sex on the Sex in the City on steroids, or something like a twenty first century kind of thing for women to engage with.
1: I mean, I'm glad it's been uh, pursued that way. Um, I'm trying to like, I'm trying not to glorify crime. I don't want to be the reason why um, some young girls just go. I, like, have to resource to, um, like, dishonesty and deceiving people. So I see where people have problems with, with that. Right. Like, I'm uh, saying the world doesn't want me, and it's cheating. So I would not want to be the person who would want who to promote that.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: the point I'm trying to make is, like, I'm trying to channel my energy into something legal and good, and um, I'm trying to use, like, my legal, my past legal issues as, like, a token event for diversity for somebody else to apply to their situation. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, go ahead and repeat what I've done, and then, like, hopefully you'll become famous. It's just, like, look how I dealt with this situation and how I was able to hopefully turn it around. It's funny to say that since I'm still in jail, but, like, at least I'm not in jail for anything, um, for any crimes. So I'm just sorting out my immigration situation. So it's different at this point. I feel mm-hmm. like
2: I'm past the last chapter. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to control the narrative of the next chapter a little bit more than let other people control it?
1: As much as I can, yes. And I feel like that people just think I have all this control, but even if I were to say, hey, don't talk about my crimes anymore, um, I moved on, it's not like people out in the media are going to listen and say, all right, they're not going to like mention it anymore. Right. People are just overestimate the amount of control I have over the story at this point. And the same thing happened like when I got arrested, the DA's office released this press statement, and this is how the whole fake eras thing started, it never came from me. Then Jessica Press wrote the article. I mean, I did um, agree to get interviewed by her, but then, like, Netflix picked it up. It was not me being out just giving interviews left and right, trying to sell my story. It just happened to me. Right. And from then on, Emily Palmer from New York Times showed up to see me at Rikers right after my guilty verdict, and I thought she was somebody else. So I never planned on giving that interview. So that was kind of a mistake. That's where I said, I'm not sorry. Um, and then since then, until my release, I have not given a single interview. Mm. So all in all, I gave two interviews in my life until February last year. hmm But people just make it out to um, seem like I was just just out there,
2: (laughs) right? This
1: whole time, but in reality, I was in jail or prison, and I was not really talking to anybody,
2: right? And everything that
1: got created until that point was kind of like out of my control. It was somebody else's creation.
2: So you feel like they created the fake heiress thing around you.
1: Definitely,
2: yeah. Hmm. And um, I've noticed that Jessica Pressler is making a considerable amount of money off of you nowadays.
1: I mean, good for her.
2: Right. So, do you have some aspirations and interest in the art world beyond what you've already uh, attempted to do?
1: my voice um, and how I want to like, express myself as I said what, being in prison and just being limited and what I could do was definitely like, very motivational for me I'm not sure if I just had all the communication tools in the world if the sketches would be the first thing like the tool of my choice to communicate with the outside world right you know, so constraints were very helpful. Um, so I'm just trying to um, come up with the next chapter. It's like, you know, the same way I feel from writing my book. And I almost feel like the only time that I can write is when I'm walked in a cell. With oh. no distractions. <laughs> <laughs> and I spoke to a friend when I was out, and he's like... You know, this is actually the environment that people are trying to recreate on the outside. Like, basically a jail cell environment where you just, like, shut off your phone and just don't respond to anything until you're done. Right. Like, it's being forced upon me, but it's actually not such a bad thing if you just kind of frame it in your mind the right way. So I don't know. It's like, I don't want
2: to, it's almost like freedom is killing my creativity. That's hilarious. So, um, the, the art show, I'll be showing some of my art in the show, uh, Julia Morrison, Alfredo Martinez, who, um. Is kind of curating and uh, Julia Morrison, who's kind of curating. I'm really excited to see the results of your work in the show opening in New York. Can you also tell me a little bit? Do you have any details about what your book will be about?
1: Well, my book is going to be like about my experiences over, I guess, from my childhood until the point when I got incarcerated in my trial. So it's going to, um, it's going to be a lot. Mm-hmm. It's going to suspend over IKEA. Yes. I have a lot to tell.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And there was some mystery as to where you were from, either Germany or Russia. I wasn't sure. Well,
1: I was born in Russia, but I uh, moved to Germany when I was a kid, and um, yeah, I went to school in Germany. My parents live in Germany. Um, I'm a German citizen. Yeah. Right. Does that answer your question? Yep.
2: Do you still have plans for your art foundation? I do, but not in the same form um, that I was conceived back in
1: 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17. That, um, it, it will um, be something that will have to do with like criminal justice, and it just will have... I'm looking to make some kind of like social impact with my art and not just create an art club for a bunch of rich white people to hang out at (laughs) anymore it will have a different purpose and um, we'll have a different location and I don't know you have one minute remaining I'll call you back
2: Oh, yeah, you can call me back. If, we can talk for another minute, and then you can call me back. Interesting. Um, um, I'm interested to see how the artwork, artwork, artwork is going to embrace them, um, like the whole metaverse. Right. And what they're going to make out of it.
1: Because, but I don't know, um, I just read this article where Hermes was chewing um, the artists who create Meta mm-hmm. and the artist is saying I'm just like Warhol right, with
2: a suit I think you have, a li- you have a little I was saying that there's something very Warhol about you in a kind of very tangible sort of way um, what does Warhol mean to you or what is your experience with Warhol as a figure
1: well, I think he's a genius in the way that um, he basically transforms everyday objects and make something desirable out of them, and transforms the way we just look at trivial everyday things. Right. You know, it kind of like goes the same way, creating something out of nothing, because you can. It's like obviously you can create all these amazing things if you have unlimited tools and resources but if you're just being left with something like so simple and he transformed the way that people look at the everyday object
2: right and if somebody was, here's one of the questions if somebody was um, wanting to make it in New York maybe on the art world or any other kind of way in New York what kind of advice would you have for them if they just arrived in New York this morning? I
1: guess make sure you surround yourself uh, with the right people I mean people are everything it's just literally I think it just applies to every city it's all about the people that are around you because in the end, it's like, you never make it on your own. It's always,
2: like, it
1: takes a village.
2: (laughs) Right. And your, sort of, entry to New York was through Purple Magazine?
1: Kind of, sort of, yeah. I just, like, ended up meeting people. in the end, the whole art and fashion crowd is the same people who just travel. They're, like, it's New York, Paris, London. Like, all our affairs. So, um... And Paris just became kind of boring to me. Why? It's also very close to where I grew up. I don't know. It's just very Europe. Like, everything is closed on Sundays. Nobody wants to, like, work after 5 p.m. And just New York is completely different. And it's very close to where I grew up. It's just, like, two and a half hours train ride. Even though it's like a totally different city and totally different country and just does not feel like it was so far away. Right. Um, I feel like I just learned everything that I could. And Paris is exciting when um, there's something going on, but it's a pretty, it can be a very lonely city. And yeah.
2: So you were never married. Not. <laughs> Is that something that you found was like <laughs> complicating to your life, having a relationship? I mean, I don't think a relationship should be complicating. If somebody who
1: complicates your life, they
2: have to go. Right. H- have you had relationships?
1: <laughs> which, which, which one? <laughs> Which what happened to every single one of my relationships? <laughs> right.
2: No, I mean, did you did you ever have like a partner? Uh, I
1: dated, yeah. Nobody that I would say um, I planned family with. Like, partner is a loaded term. Right. I was not trying to settle down in my twenties, so that was never my goal.
2: Right. Do you like rich people or do you resent rich
1: people? I don't think about them that way. Like who I rich people? I like I think about each person individually. I like say economic status has nothing to do with how I think of somebody. Or if I like them or not. I don't see like People
2: as a group Separate from Everybody else Right I'm just thinking like, that, As
1: opposed to from As opposed to poor people
2: <laughs> Would you describe yourself As having poor beginnings When you were growing up?
1: Uh I wouldn't say I was Poor, poor Um I said it was middle class. I don't know. But I mean, it definitely was not rich. Right. But I was not like, I was just like poor, it's like, we had nothing to eat or like I had to wear somebody else's clothes. That just never happened. (laughs) Right. It, It would have been a better story, but I just, I can't, I can't lie. Right.
2: Right. You've been kind of described in, by different people as having no conscience or being like a sociopath. How Do you feel that? Do you think that's true or partially true? I feel
1: it's absolutely
2: not true. So it's unfair. I feel like
1: um, very few people know me. Uh, yeah, I feel like most of the people are not qualified to pass those judgments. I don't remember being, like, in contact with any sort of, like, mental health professionals for them to diagnose me with any mental illness. Um, right. right. And I never had any in store anybody, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure when my conscience would come into play.
2: Mm-hmm. I think I heard and I've watched very little about you. I've read a little bit about you. I haven't watched the TV show about you, but I saw a clip where you were you were saying you were talking about the definition of um I can't remember you like like the definition of some of your crimes was like like withholding um wealth from people or I, I don't know. It's just like you seemed really kind of um certain of yourself. You you've been described as being really certain of yourself. Um, do you feel really do you well, still feel I guess you
1: are. Uh, yeah, sorry I think you're referring to um, fraud and definition of fraud, like you right. call somebody is to permanently deprive a person of the funds of property. And this is absolutely what not not what I've been trying to do. And I guess so, the existence of Fotografiska, which is the project in the building that I was trying to leave, just proves my point.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: like no one can say I was delusional. I was just trying to make this thing up that was unrealistic. So, somebody else went and did the pretty much the exact thing that I was trying to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I just like further validate my point. So, how was I really trying to defraud Polish people? Like, in what way?
2: Right. So it's kind of an unfair stereotype.
1: And definitely. I feel like uh, if it were to prove that the project I was trying to build was just completely unrealistic and I was just like leaving everybody on mm-hmm. and I was just not unachievable, it would have been different. Right. But since what I was trying to do was so feasible and so I did it, Mm -hmm. How criminal is it of me to try to do that? So I acknowledge that I did not choose the best way to go about it, but it was supposed to work, and there is actually life proof that there was a way for this to work.
2: Right. And so, what was the goal that you envisioned if everything went exactly as planned?
1: Well, I just wanted to like give artists the platform for expression, and I wanted to recreate something new. I wanted to have this building transformed, like every couple of months, I guess, depending on the budget. And it would have been like an immersive experience, you know, unlike Soho House, where you go, like you went there, you didn't know, once and you've seen everything, if you return a year later, it's probably going to look the same. So my idea was, um, I just like like big scale projects, and I just like when like everything makes sense. So it was supposed to be kind of an immersive art experience, and I would have had like an artist in residence, and usually when you start, work, like when I started working on something, it starts off small, and kind of always becomes bigger and bigger, and kind of the idea gets better. So who knows how it would have ended. Because once you start building something, you just like start meeting all these people, and they have their ideas, and you just like try to collaborate and bring anything to life, and it just ends up becoming something better and different. So, I was going into it with a very open mind. Right. And I also wanted to have, like, different locations around the world to give, um, artists, like, from all kinds of backgrounds kind of opportunities to express themselves.
2: Hmm. So this is why I feel like you're very much an art world figure in a certain way, because you seem to really care about artists and want, uh, and you want to, uh, do something for artists' lives.
1: I definitely, I feel art is extremely important. Yeah. It's like, and I, I would love to be somebody like who would give an opportunity for somebody to like to express their voice.
2: Right. Do you have some art, contemporary artists that are some of your favorite artists?
1: Oh, I have so many. No, I love Richard Serra for his sculpture. I just like the like, scale stuff. Dan Um I like to be fun. Um, I'd love to get one of his dot paints. And um, I guess he like his whole idea. I like his, like, approach to perfectionism. Like, you know, he just spends, like, a year painting one dot.
2: Who's that? Even
1: though he doesn't have to. Lee Chan.
2: Okay. Right.
1: Um, I think he, he used to be with Pace. I don't know if he's still. But um, you should check him out. He has this dot paintings. that are very simple. They're super beautiful. And he, like, spends a year on each one about a year and he just like goes over the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. and uh, I just can't relate to like this idea of perfection that not for others to understand I it's kind of like between him and his work
2: right so you like that kind of obsessive approach
1: I can't relate to it yeah.
2: So would would you say you're kind of an obsessive personality?
1: I, I guess. I guess all evidence points to that, yeah. I guess there's just no other feeling. Like it's like when you are really so good about what you've done, and, like, you don't really need anybody else's approval because, like, you are so sure that whatever you're putting out there is just so
2: good. Right.
1: Not because somebody is, like, trying to push you or, like, trying to tell you that you have to, I don't know, 300 pieces in a month. It's just, like, she just takes all the time in the world, and she's just, like, that Dot is perfect.
2: Right.
1: And, like, she's not going to stop until it's up to his working.
2: Mm-hmm. What about... um you had an interaction with Daniel Arsham are you still friendly with him or was that in the past?
1: Um yeah I would say so I mean all our interactions were kind of in context um off the project and I have some mutual friends with him um, I haven't been in touch with him recently just because I have lots of <laughs> lots of other issues um but I checked out his um like whatever he's been doing recently and um it seems great. Um I like that he found a way to experiment with color. Yeah. Um so that's uh, kind of like something recent for him that he just started like in a past years because everything that I remember him doing is just black and white, but um it was great for him that he found a way to um, kind of include that into his work. Right. And he seems to be doing great. I don't know. I need to reconnect with him mm-hmm. sometime when I'm out of jail.
2: Right. And then
1: he's definitely interesting. And I remember like um school we following each other um, on social media and I remember his stories. So he's an interesting person too. Um, he he definitely had like some interesting social media posts. <laughs>
2: right. So, you haven't done a lot of interviews. How many interviews have you done?
1: Um, I've done quite a bit once I got out in February, but not this time. Just kind of down to time, and like, my essay for Business Insider, and doing a couple of podcasts, and just kind of trying to keep it, um... Hi. Mm. I mean, I've done um, 60 Minutes Australia from my um, from my jail video chat app. I guess who can say that? <laughs> 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 and um, I've done some German TV <laughs> 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 because I just have like my my German journalist friends, um, and I guess I was like or whatever German extra. From my jail video app, and I
2: guess not that many
1: people can say that. (laughs) Yeah, I was definitely the first because they just introduced that like in June last year. So um, I guess you cannot find anybody else who is like on 60 Minutes or all these channels just from jail video app.
2: (laughs) Right. Well, I hope you'll consider writing something for White Hot Magazine at some point.
1: Um, sure. I mean, I definitely uh, never run out of material. I was like, the life stays exciting.
2: <laughs> what have you been writing
1: about? What have you been writing about? Well, my book was kind of like exercise and honesty. I was just trying to look back um, on what led to what. And just trying to make sense of like what happened to me. I was saying, like, even doing interviews, it's like it's a form of therapy. Cause like, I just don't sit around and like ask myself those questions. It mm-hmm. usually comes like from reporters and I start to like question myself why right. I did this or why I did that, and the same with a book, just like trying to find a way why I did this thing. So what about it's a lot, lot self reflection. Yeah, and hmm. I'm just writing about everything from, like, my childhood, the events that I think um, kind of mattered in the long term. And then about my like, time in Paris and then in New York and everybody who, like, was involved in my criminal case. It's going to be like a fun little story because I feel like the reality was, like, my story is pretty far away from what's out there already. And I feel like the people who were involved, they just, like, never said anything. Right. Um. Like, the people who, like, really, really knew what was going on. So. Hmm. I mean, we should probably keep it that way.
2: Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'll, I'll try.
2: <laughs> right. I'll
1: just try to, like, maintain a healthy balance.
2: Mm-hmm. So you as I mean I if do
1: anything, it will be mm-hmm. go ahead. Go ahead. I just wanted to say if anything it will be interesting, study or like the media and how media portrays the events because sometimes, you know, the people who are being written about you have one minute help. remaining they either don't care about um, telling their own version of the story or they're just not being listened to. Yeah. So I would love for people kind of to make their choices to hear my side of the story and what's been created by the media. And that's why I think it helps. Like, I'm trying to stay away. Like, I never read Rachel's book. I mean, I will go. I am going to watch the show um, at some point. But, like, now that I'm writing without any of that. right in the back of my head so it's not like I'm not commenting on what they put out there you know it's just my story without making it like
2: out to be a retaliation or like a response to anybody I see well thanks for meeting up with me and being in touch I hope we can be in touch continuing on during this art show and see what comes of it um there should be some surprises
0: Thank you
2: for. White Hot Magazine, one of the world's leading platforms and institutions for contemporary art. Visit us online at whitehotmagazine.com and follow us on social media.